Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are discussing the third parak of Shmuel Bet, which is a very long and messy parak. No one quite emerges from this parak looking pristine. It opens by telling us that David had numerous children born to wives Achinam and Avigail, and then the lens turns to the northern kingdom where we learn that Avner, the general, is seizing control, and he's throwing his weight around quite a bit. We're told that he lies together with one of Shaul's concubines named Ritzbah, and Ishboshet confronts him for doing so. Avner, as a result of this confrontation, lambasts Ishboshet and promptly abandons ship, throws his support behind David. Now, this episode is bizarre. Seems very odd at first blush. Is this really all about uh, what uh, Avner does in his personal life? Is this really all about a woman? And the answer is no. There is a, a, an important subtext and context in this exchange. The context is that in the ancient world, lying with the concubine of a king was a very loaded act. It was a way of demonstrating that you are the heir to that king's power, to that king's throne. And so this was a kind of overreach for Avner, he was publicly signaling that he was really in control. And naturally, Ishboshet opposed that. He didn't like that. And so he goes and he tells Avner that, that this is not something he should be doing. And Avner responds so angrily because what's the subtext he's saying? He's telling Ishboshet, don't you get it? I made you king. And I'm really the one who's in charge here, not you. You're just a figurehead. You're a puppet. And if you're opposing me right now from being with this woman with Ritzbah, it means that you don't understand that that's the nature of our arrangement. And if I can't be the, 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 really the functional king of the north, then I don't want any part of it. And that's why he abandons Ishboshet and the northern kingdom in this moment. It's not because uh, Avner has an epiphany that, oh, David is really right, that David is the anointed of God. He, he doesn't emerge from this looking very good. He just has this recognition that he's not going to get the power that he's lusting after in the north, and so he might as well uh, abandon ship, either because he has hurt feelings or just maybe he thinks he can, have, he can acquire more power by throwing his support behind David. Not, clearly not a, a pristine character. David is willing to take uh, Avner back if he does one thing. He has to deliver Michal, uh, to Shaul, uh, to David, excuse me. So Michal is Shaul's daughter, and she was married to David. But over the course of the Prakim, where David flees from Shaul, the two of them get separated, Michal and David. And Michal is then married to another man. David now requests that he be reunited with Michal. This is not simply a matter of... Uh, of David longing for uh, his lost wife. There is some element of that, perhaps. But this is a very politically charged move. David wants to be reunited with Michal because she's the daughter of Shaul. And so it uh, lends credence to David, certainly in the eyes of those in, in Binyamin and in the north, for him uh, to, to his leadership, to his kingship, to be married to Shaul's daughter. So David wants to be reunited with Michal, uh, perhaps not entirely out of a sense of romantic love and justice, but also because this would be a great boon 
to his, uh, his attempt to be the king over all of Israel. And of course, this is a kind of test for Avner to really test his loyalty. If indeed you want to come back and you want to, to join up with, uh, with, with David's kingship, so you have to do something that is not in the interest of the northern kingdom. Prove to me that you're really loyal to me by bringing me Michal. That will be this great benefit to my kingdom. And so uh, that will prove that you are indeed on my side. He does this, by the way, with the consent of Ishboshet. Why does Ishboshet consent to this? Because Ishboshet's just a, a weak individual, perhaps not insightful enough to recognize the, the political undertones, the political implications of this reunification. The, the, the relationship and the sincerity of David's desire to actually be with Michal herself is a topic of a longer conversation, which is beyond the scope, but suffice it, the scope of our discussion today, but suffice it to say that it's a, it's a complex relationship. We know that Michal loved David. We don't know that it was uh, requited. We don't know that, uh, that David loved Michal, but he certainly saw the political value of, of having Michal at his side, and it seems that that is the primary motivator in this moment. And we're also made to feel very bad for Michal, who, as she is returning to David, is accompanied by her, her the other husband, the, the person who was by her side in the interim years, in Paltiel, and we were told that her husband is, is crying and weeping as they are parting. So it's, it's a kind of a tragic moment. Uh, we're, it would be fair to say that the, the relationship between Michal and Paltiel is a much more organic uh, and deep connection uh, than that which uh, was uh, felt between David and Michal. In any event, David accepts Avner's return. He makes a feast for him and then sends him off. Avner goes out to, to do some more bidding on behalf of David. Then Yoav and Avishai return to the picture. We learn uh, that they had been out uh, in, engaged in some sort of battle. They come back and they learn that David made peace with Avner. And they're incensed. They're absolutely furious. After all, Avner was responsible for killing Asael, who is Yoav and Avishai's brother. And so without David's knowledge and consent, they go, they capture Avner, they kill him in a particularly dishonorable way, meant to parallel the way that he impaled their brother Asael. And this was wrong of Yoav and Avishai. Even though we have a concept of, of uh, avenging the blood of our, of our kin in the Torah, Asael was not killed in a uh, context which would have merited that type of, uh, of, of, of acceptable blood avenging. Because Asael was killed pursuing Avner in the course of war. Avner didn't simply murder Asael. In fact, in fact, Avner tried to reason with Asael. He tried everything he could not to kill him, but Asael left him no choice. He was pursuing Avner, and so Avner had to kill him. And so Yoav and Avishai are really not in the right here, and not in the narrowest sense, like morally in terms of avenging the blood, and in the broader sense, this was a huge blow to David's bid for a unified kingship. This was politically terrible for David. Firstly, having Avner going around to the people of Binyamin and the north trying to muster their support for David was a, a gift. That, that was just, uh, it would have been a huge asset. It already was an asset to David in, in, the, in the bit of time that he was trying to galvanize that support. And having him going forward doing that would have very rapidly undermined Ishboshet, who was a, a very weak and ineffectual king. And not only has he lost that asset, but now he, he is made to look terrible to the people of Binyamin and the north. 
because people are going to think that David killed Avner, that, that first he swore his friendship, he fed him, he gave him a great meal, he made a covenant with him, and then he stabbed him in the back. People don't know that Yoav and Avishai acted without and against the will of David. So this looked, this, this wasn't only the loss of an asset, but it was a, it was a huge setback to David reuniting all of Israel under his leadership. And as a result, David now has to mitigate the negative fallout of this murder. He needs a grand gesture. He needs a public display that he opposed the death of Avner. And that is just what David does. He publicly mourns Avner. He utters lamentations for him. He takes an oath to fast on account of Avner's death, and he curses Yoav and Avishai. You might say this is because Avner was a great man who was unjustly murdered, but the opening of the Perek, the way in which he comes to David, simply because he didn't get the kind of power that he sought in the northern kingdom, that suggests otherwise. It, doesn't, it suggests that Avner was, uh, to, to put it mildly, a, a more complex character. Uh, that's certainly my opinion of the matter. And so Avner, it's not that he was just such a great man who deserved this elaborate mourning from the king himself, but this was uh, designed, David's mourning here, his public display was designed to mitigate the negative fallout of his murder. David needed to put on this huge display. I want to be, I want to be clear, David's political aspirations uh, in doing this are not bad. He wants to be the, the king of Israel because Hashem has anointed him as the king of Israel and his pursuit of this goal is, is, is not problematic. But it's still important to recognize that the great degree, um, that to a great degree, David's mourning in this perek is less a reflection of his admiration and love for Avner as it was, I believe, uh, politically motivated and expedient and, and, and smart. You can, of course, disagree with me. I leave that for you to consider. That's how I understand. That's how I frame the mourning uh, that David displays in this perek. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.